Hey people, welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Jed. How are y'all doing out there? I hope everyone is... I don't know, what month is it? March? It's all it's all bleeding together. But um, shows are starting to get scheduled again. Uh, Comic cons are starting to get scheduled again. I am um, hesitantly optimistic. Uh, I definitely don't want to call it before it's too soon but things are really looking good uh mainly i'm just mainly worried about furnace fest which is basically my entire high school uh playlist and music live music formulative years culture fashion everything that i was about from 10th grade until <laughs> i mean i still i'm still an emo kid at heart I still wear skinny jeans but back in the day when you had to buy girl jeans to have skinny jeans if you were a guy shout out to my real ones that know the struggle um all that to say every every band that I've ever loved is playing this festival in Birmingham Alabama uh and one of those bands and it's a lot of them that have been broken up uh, or said they would never play again like we've got the bled beloved um, Stretch Armstrong, so, so many bands, and then, of course, The Beautiful Mistake, which kind of brings us to today's episode, uh, I reached out to Josh Hagquist of The Beautiful Mistake, um, I think we figured out it was like a year ago, like before Furnace Fest was announced, it was when they came out with a new EP, the first one in 14 years, and I wanted to chat, and then, you know, Pandemic happened, and it got put off for quite a long time, but he was gracious enough to get back in touch with me, and we uh, scheduled this talk, and I did a classic uh, interview where I bumble over my fanboy things where I try to tell a cool story, and it just kind of falls on its face, which hasn't happened to me in a while, so everyone enjoy me just sounding pretty dumb at the beginning, uh, and then we talk about you know, faith and stuff that he believes and uh, coronavirus and festivals and being in a band and all that good stuff. So uh, without further ado, here is Josh Hagquist. And uh, please send me an email, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com, patreon.com, backsclap. Uh, and speaking of Patreon, I forgot we have a new patron that I forgot to shout out. Okay, Kari Peary, which is is kind of an anagram of Katy Perry minus the T plus an R. Uh, but Kari Peary, I hope I pronounced that right. Thank you so much. Enjoy the bonus episodes. Um, and uh, send me a uh, request on the Church of the Drugs Congregation private Facebook page. Also, we have been doing, I know I said without further ado, but this is a lot of ado. We started doing a uh, Patreon-only um, Zoom meeting Sunday nights that is going really well. So far, we just decided to kind of read through a book together, and but a lot of it is just check-ins and discussions with each other. It's turning out to be really, really cool, and I'm super stoked on it. So if that sounds like something you want to do, head on over to patreon.com backslash church and other drugs. Uh, enjoy the episode.
think I had like like two people said that they actually wrote me in, but I'm <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I didn't win, sadly. Sadly. No, I know. I I liked your signs, so they were cool. Dude, it was a it was a so that's like ever since I was in high school, uh, that's been a practice. Like I'm I'm huge on really uh elaborate practical jokes that like take work that like you know they uh-huh. stop being funny like halfway you're through doing the thing but you're like this is going to be worth it in the end so i've been wanting to do that since i was in high school and like you know everyone's sitting at home everyone was really pissed off this year so i was like well i guess this is the year to do it let's just try to make some people laugh that's awesome i enjoyed it i enjoyed it, it was a nice reprieve from just uh the vitriol and the nonsense that's actually going on you know yeah it, it was cool so yeah kudos to you that was really cool I, well, I enjoyed it much appreciated man much appreciated so and i think uh so this is like an interview i didn't look to see like when we originally scheduled this but i feel like it was like six months ago or something probably covid just threw my work schedule and life schedule into like a just a death spiral yeah so in uh this is josh hagquist from uh the beautiful mistake uh josh thanks for coming on thanks for having me um yeah that's right because i think i scheduled you i guess it was right around the no i think it was before the furnace fest announcement because it was it was around the time the album dropped so yeah so it would have been about a year ago yeah is about uh, almost a year old now yeah and i was you um i've talked to some other people as well that that had the um i don't even know what you want to call it (laughs) uh the you had an album drop the year of the quarantine and and a comeback album no less totally like we we planned it to where we didn't release anything for 14 years and then we when we decided to do a new record and release it everything shut down Ugh. Ugh. what yep. was what was the immediate thought Did, like y'all had a it, tour know, plan huh no we had shows booked uh but i i think the 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 bummer part of it for us was just you know furnace fest got canceled being able to see our friends got canceled. And then, you know, we all have other jobs. We all have like regular jobs. So we don't rely on the band for our income. You know, we're not full-time touring musicians or anything like that. So, you know, well, it was a a kind of a a bummer for us because everything kind of shut down and the focus wasn't on new music being released. Um, I think the, the bummer part was just all of our friends who are musicians and, and who do this full time, like their livelihoods kind of just stopped. Yeah. So music as a whole kind of got put on the back burner. And, you know, we were included in that, but, you know, our expectations weren't super high anyways. Like we didn't right. think we were going to get, uh, it wasn't going to be like the second coming. And, sure. You know, sure. Uh, you know, but everyone's going to freak out. Like we're stoked on the record. Don't get me wrong. I think it's really good, but you know, I I don't think any of us thought, Oh yeah. Like this is it. This is going to 
break us to all the kids, you know. All the kids <laughs> that listened to us before are all in their 40s now anyway. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you – um, yeah, if we had video, I was going to show you uh, – Beautiful Mistake is up there. It has got to be within, like, the first six shows, like, I ever went to when I was, nice. I don't know, 14, 15. Um, this would have been at New Brooklyn Tavern in Columbia, South Carolina. And yep. that was, so my, <laughs> it was, uh, I had first gotten into heavy music with breakdowns and stuff. And so that was like, that was my litmus test to like, okay, is this band going to be cool? Like, do they have breakdowns and they do, do they have <laughs> like singing's okay, but you know, they gotta have some screaming and uh <laughs> so you know back then when the musical tastes uh weren't so refined that all you had to do was have a breakdown um and then as a drummer i promised i wasn't going to like ask the lame music questions but this is a bit of a this is a bit of a kind of uh nerding out fan moment for me just because i've uh, loved y'all for a very long time and as a drummer i always loved uh the drum recordings and um just the way that 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 record was um produced i really loved i love the sound of it the symbols especially yeah um we we had good shows there i think we played there with from autumn to ashes yep and we played there with stretch armstrong i think at one point yep and we i feel like some of our songs brought the mosh right yeah oh yeah 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 absolutely absolutely I wouldn't have been there back then if they didn't, my friend. That's uh. <laughs> um. Oh. So, what was the original? You know, I do want to touch on this. So, what was the? Because I guess y'all kind of were rising. My my timing is off. I always get like two thousand to two thousand ten very uh, confused and conflated, but. I think y'all were on kind of the, you know, the record industry was still going strong. Um, metalcore, hardcore, screamo was kind of hitting apex with like Under Oath, uh, Only Chasing Safety. And then, uh, you know, the music industry collapsed. So I can't remember, and I surely you do, like where were y'all at um, on that wave as far as when you got signed, started to take off with a strike a mat or light a match and then what kind of caused the original dissolution of you guys so we started in 2000 and when we started in southern california hardcore was really big you had bands like 18 visions and uh bleeding through and and adamantium and 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 bands like taken probably taken at that point um, those bands were playing shows all around where we were from. And then pop punk was still really big with Rufio and oh, yeah. Lick Sheets and bands like that. And so when we started, you know, we grew up listening to hardcore bands like Strongarm, Snapcase, Shyhalud. But we also grew up listening to Mineral and Sunny Day Real Estate and Texas is the Reason. So when we started Beautiful Mistake, we're like, okay, let's kind of blend the two, you know? And, and uh, the emo 
slash post-hardcore thing had not broken. Like, it wasn't commercially viable. So I remember, uh, you know, we were already a band, but we were from California. Mm. We had never heard Thursday. <laughs> and I remember hearing Full Collapse and going, oh, my gosh, like, this band's awesome, you know? And then hearing Taking Back Sunday's, you know, first record, me like, this band's rad, too. And, and uh, oh, it's cool that other bands are doing what – kind of what we're doing too you know so uh you know with mp3.com that was kind of our that was kind of our uh break for us is that we were doing really well on that and people from all over the world could hear us and that was ranked was that one ranked am i thinking of that one right yeah where they had the chart yes yes the funny thing was like the emo charts it was like blink 182 um, Rufio, Thursday, and us. <laughs> and it was like, we're nobodies, you know? And Rufio, they were nobodies at that time. And Thursday, they were nobodies at that time too, you know? And so it was kind of cool to be on that that kind of first wave of that second wave of, you know, what emo and post-hardcore was. So we kind of started in that and we play shows with hardcore bands and we play shows with pop punk bands. So we were kind of that like in between where, uh, we don't really fit in. We fit in with both. We can hang with both, but we're not necessarily either one of those. Right. But we got more love from the hardcore fans, uh, you know, and playing on hardcore bills than we did from anything else. And so it was kind of a blend of everything we were listening to that we were into, that's kind of where we came from. And then, you know, to our surprise, what was the next big thing was that genre. Mm. And, you know, we were afforded a ton of opportunities because of bands like Thursday blowing up and Under Oath blowing up. And, um, you know, and then, of course, Fall Out Boy, My Chemical Romance, stuff like that. Yeah, that we was the big one. So Yellow Card. Totally. So, well, we didn't start the band. When we started the band, that wasn't popular. And when we ended up breaking up uh, at at the end of 2005, early 2006, um, you know, that was huge. Um, and the joke was always like, if you open for us, you'd get big. Like, that was <laughs> the joke. Because, you know, Fall Out Boy opened for us on a tour. Uh, All American Rejects opened for us on a tour. Emery opened for us on a tour, you know, taking back Sunday used our PA when they did an in-store in Riverside. Like, Oh, geez. The joke is that you play with beautiful mistakes. You're going to get huge and they're not. <laughs> Why do you, I mean, yeah. Uh, while I'm asking, uh, magic, uh, magic ball questions. Why, what, why do you think y'all never quite caught on? Um, I think it's a couple things. So I think our second record, This Is Who You Are, didn't have the hardcore influence in there. Mm. And that was kind of us wanting to be more mature and, and having a management that wanted us to write more radio songs. And and I think that we kind of lost sight of what we were doing. And so that artistic vision kind of got muddled on that record. Right, And so I just don't think it resonated with people. And then 
right when that right after that record came out or shortly after that record came out uh three quarters of the band quit oh that'll do it i kept going and kind of put the pieces back together but it was never the same it was never the same uh 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 popularity that we had had before you know sure um up until that point we were doing pretty well but uh, even with the second record not being uh, as great as uh, the first one or as re- well-received as the first one. But I think with the member change, that kind of sucked the wind out of the sails. And even though we were still doing tours, and we did great tours after those dudes left and, and you know, got to play with some great bands. Uh, it just wasn't the same. And, you know, in hindsight, I, I kept doing it because I was, you know, kind of blind to it and want, didn't really understand that it was probably not the best idea, but, um, you know, we've all mended fences and all those dudes are in the band now, you know, oh, that's all awesome. the original. Men- so that's been really cool. So in the, in, so now that I'm bringing this up, I can't even recall if it was like it ever explicitly stated, or if I kind of just inferred this from like, the bands y'all were lumped into but back in those days how how i was how i was raised and in my household the other kind of big uh big litmus test or even you know especially with the the hardcore scene back then was was the christian band wave right or the quote christian band and so y'all were in that category right or am i completely making that up no i we were not in that category. So we were, so uh, I'll explain, I'll explain where we were coming from. So sure. all of us in the band are Christian. We would consider ourselves Christians, but at no time did we ever consider the band a Christian band. I mean, we toured with Emery, Amberlynn, As Cities Burn, Dead Poetic. We played shows with Under Oath we had no problem loving those guys and being a part of what they were doing when it came to just playing shows. Right. But, uh, we were explicit in our, we will not play churches. We are not doing any sort of Christian bookstore marketing. Our, our records aren't sold in Christian bookstores. We don't do Christian magazine. Like it just wasn't anything that we wanted to be a part of. Right. And, and, and we were very intentional about that because I think everyone's different, right? So, so some bands feel like they want to be very explicit in their, in their faith, in the lyrics or in their message or in the way that they talk to people on stage. They, they're using the band as a ministry tool, right? And so we, that just wasn't what we wanted to do. We just wanted to be a band. And now we happen to have a certain faith that we all share. And if you're writing lyrics and, and expressing yourself, like obviously your worldview is impacted by that, but mm. it was never something that we wanted to sell. Yeah. We never wanted to be a part of where that was like a, a marketing tool. So, you know, I think, a lot of those fans, like a lot of fans of Emery and those bands, like they liked us too and maybe got something out of it too. But 
our intent was just to be a band and and not have that preface there like oh they're a christian band or and, yeah. and again no judgment from us like there was no judgment for from us towards emory or, or tooth and nail or if people want to do that like rock and roll like go live your best life and do that but for us like we just didn't want anything to do with that scene necessarily oh yeah or the marketing or the or the money aspect of it it's just you know we're just a band yeah and we're just here to to express ourselves and talk about what we go through and if you get something out of it cool yeah and i think i'm saying thinking about god cool i might not have intended that but if that's bringing you encouragement or whatever that's awesome yeah and it's it's and i've i've gotten over the past few years gotten close to uh some of the emory dudes and it's funny and i've i've had this conversation with other people before that the bands that were quote very outspokenly christian on on the surface it seemed to uh, come out in the wash over the years that either they never were or kind of, you know, burnt out on it or kind of went in these like vastly different directions. And yeah. the ones that were more private about it seemed to actually have something that um, had longevity and actually informed kind of like how their life went. So I am curious just... Because I really, you know, part of what I always like to talk to is uh, how people's, you know, how our faith grows up in, in, in whatever that is. How, like, our spirituality changes, you know, for um, for me, you know, I grew up uh, Southern Presbyterian, very, very sheltered. Don't watch PG-13 movies till you're 13, that sort of thing. And then... yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then in my uh, in my teen years became you know a very serious drug addict and s- struggled with addiction for the better part of uh, two decades, and so I had huge shifts in my faith and kind of had them rocked in my family's faith as well, and like you know really had to kind of wrestle with what's going on with all that, and for for whatever reason, I you know and I. I speak to and am friends with a lot of uh, people in the like ex-evangelical or the deconstruction, like all those like alternative church, like all those sort of uh, philosophies and movements right now. It's like, but for me, some reason I've never, um, I've never been able to jettison like, you know, the, the basic uh, Christian tenets and, like, some belief and stuff. Or I guess we'll just say, like, yeah. you know, things in things written in the Bible about, like, Jesus and stuff like that. So for whatever, yeah. and it's not, yeah, so I'm always just interested to hear kind of what other people, where they started, what happened, and kind of where they're at these days. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I can speak for myself, you know. <clears throat> um, so you know, I grew up in going to church and, and, and going to church every Sunday and, and Wednesday night going to youth group. And, you know, my parents were both very religious and, and very, um, devout in their faith, their Christian faith. And, and, uh, you know, I kind of probably went through the motions as a 
teenager, you know, like all my friends were Christians and, and it's not that I didn't believe, but it not, wasn't necessarily like a faith that was mine per se, you know, like it, it, it was there and I, I believed in God and everything, but it, it wasn't like fleshed out at all. It wasn't oh, yeah. anything that I had put much thought into developing outside of, you know, just going. And so, you know, I, my mom passed away in 96 and that like turned my world upside down. Like how old were you? Moving. I was 20. Oh, wow. And I was super close to my mom. And so I kind of went off the deep end and like, I moved up to Canada to go to school. Uh, I was doing a copious amount of drugs, drinking, being just an absolute degenerate of a human being and being incredibly reckless because I just didn't care. Like, yeah, I was running from from my problems, running from anyone who knew me. So I didn't have to talk about my problems and and just in this hole of depression. And and uh, I remember go walking. I'd be walking home at like six in the morning or seven in the morning, you know, walk of shame, uh, on a, on a random like Sunday morning. And I, I, there was this church like right down the street from my apartment and I'd want, like, I'd feel this like magnetic pull trying to pull me in. And I can't really explain it. Like it's something that it's just beyond like the laws of nature, but I'd feel this pull and I would just resist and resist. And I'd be like in front of this church, hung over and or strung out completely sobbing and then <laughs> keep walking, you know? Yeah. Just a mess. And, and so I always knew that uh, even in my dark, that dark period, like I always knew God cared about me and, and, and wanted, wanted me to be right. And so I ended up like moving back to California and, you know, stopped doing drugs and, and, and got my life kind of pieced back together with some really good friends. And, and those friends, you know, were, were the guys that, you know, would be with me to start beautiful mistake. So like Steve and Steve from mistake and Josh and Sean, we all played in a band called Ember together. And, that was a band I joined like right after I got back from Canada and and those guys were just instrumental in, in, in getting me kind of right with, with myself and, and, and with God. And so I never really like, I never really gave up, you know, and as I got older, you know, it, it started to become more of a, like, I got to figure out how this all works you know, and, and, and I want to read more about it and I want to kind of, you know, make this faith something that I'm, I'm into for real and not just, you know, not just going through the motions. And so I kind of went through different churches and stuff and, and kind of bounced around and, and, uh, but never once did I reject it or, or, um, say, no, you know, I've, I've given up on church, you know, so I go to church, you know, regularly still, um, you know, I, any, I believe any, in stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. Any, uh, denomination? Uh, 
So I go to a Catholic church. Dude, I that and, how recent is that? Uh, so I started going. Uh, I had gone before and then left and then, but uh, I I've been going consistently since 2016. So why the Catholic Church for you? I've I've I've, I've said that that way because that you are you have a lot of my friends have been have been making the switch to they have they're not getting confirmed catholic but they've just been making the switch to going to mass and going to catholic churches yeah so you know again for me you know everyone's journey is different but for me i i found a faith community that was really vibrant and really um, alive. And I kind of jumped in Hmm. and and wanted to be a part of that. And I don't necessarily understand everything, but I think the one thing that I like is that there's some mystery in it all. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, and again, everyone figures things out differently and, and, and I think God meets people where they're at. But, uh, I have friends who, you know, will read who want to argue about some theological point, you know, with me and they'll have all these verses. And I'm like, you could put 500 scholars, biblical scholars in a room and they're not all going to agree. And they're all going to be pretty sure that they've got it dialed, you know, that they've got it figured out. Yeah. And, and I'm like, there's, there's some mystery involved with faith. And I I appreciated some of that mystery with the Catholic tradition. And I like very traditional, um, I like very traditional services because I'm a musician. I love punk. I love rock and roll. If I see a guy with a guitar rocking out on stage, like I'm totally distracted. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially if it's bad or like you think you're better. (laughs) So it's just like, Oh, oh, why would you do that? That bass player sucks. Yeah. Tune your tune. One of those strings, please. So I get really distracted. So I, the the more contemporary stuff's not my bag at all. Those are good points. So I like liturgy. I like candles. I like smells and bells. Like it just is a better place for me to be in to actually get something out of what I'm being told and what I'm reciting. So, and, and I like the history aspects of it too. Like I appreciate the, the, the historical aspects of the way that we worship. So for me, it was just kind of like a, 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 a good fit. It, and now there's things that like, I don't understand. And there's things that I'm like, I don't know about that. But I think that's part of the tension with faith is that you don't have it all figured out. And if you think you do, you're mistaken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's been the... See, you sound, and I don't know if this is true, but the way you speak about it, what I hear is peace, right? Kind of a peace you don't seem uncomfortable in the position that you're at. And it seems like, so I, I really started getting 
serious, like a, I was a Christian by name, by namesake, you know, my entire life, yeah. but I wouldn't consider that I really got serious about it until, until I finally got sober in, in 2014. And that's when I just started digesting everything. And that's when I discovered podcasts and, um, yeah, just taking in. Congratulations, ev- by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and at first it was really cool. And then, then I got into, you know, more the deconstruction stuff. And for some people, it seemed like that's where they found their peace was like, Oh, finally, like I can, I, I, I can rest knowing that like, I don't think that's true and I'm good with that. And it's like, they kind of just deconstruct without needing to build anything back up for, for me and very possibly because of like my addiction, like I have this, some people can go through life and especially in, in, in the West and you really don't need God if you've got enough money and you you can build your life very securely so that on a day-to-day basis, you don't necessarily need God, right? You know, I think sure. a lot of people yeah, go sure. through life um, just doing their own thing. I have this, and this is where it's kind of like a blessing as well as, you know, uh, you know, it's like the thorn in the side where I have this thing that if left untreated is going to try to kill me. And so it's like I need, and it's like I, I need a spiritual solution to that thing. And, and for me, that's God and Jesus yeah. and all that. And so it's like I have to, um, I have to have this thing. And I think I've been... I had a lot of, I've got, you know, like depression, anxiety, and all that good stuff too, and it really focused itself on uh, guilt and shame and like religious shame, and so a lot of my adult life has been unlearning the idea that God's got a scorecard, I'm already way stacked on the opposite direction, so I need to do these things for God to bless me or reward me or if bad things happen it's because I'm not doing good and it's like at a logical level I understand that's not true but there's that still inner child in me that believes it and it's like a constant struggle in resting in grace and then also you know trying to do good and I don't exactly know the point of all of what I was saying but it was I'm I am jealous of people and I don't know you but the the sound of it and the way you're saying it's just that that kind of it's just like yeah man this is what I believe and like I'm cool with it and there's a lot of mystery and like this is just kind of what I'm doing and it sounds it sounds so relaxing like and that's that's what I'm seeking and that's why I constantly crowdsource this stuff to see just how other people interact with God yeah you know it's it's everyone's different you know and and for me like I just felt a weight lifted off my shoulders, you know, and I, I can't really describe it any other way. And I don't want to sound like cliche when I say that, but uh, I think, I, I think Western Christianity in a lot of ways, like there's been this drive to have everything laid out, you know, and our, our minds have been taught to work that way. So like it, you you have to have it all laid out 
nice and neat and systematically explained. And I grew up in that, you know, and and it's there's almost a little bit of freedom to, to letting some of that mystery and doubt and question kind of be there while still being grounded, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, I just, what I, what I noticed was a lot of joy with the people and the community that I was in. I noticed that I, I was around people who had uh, uh, just a tremendous amount of peace and a tremendous amount of assurance. And, and I think the kicker for me is the people that I was around, they found their identity in, in, in what they, what they are, not in what they're not, if that makes sense. It so does like, make sense. It does make sense. So many times everyone's ready to argue and, and they've got, you know, the guns drawn, the theological guns drawn, and they're ready to tell you that you're wrong and that, that the, that communion isn't Christ's blood and and they're going to rake you over the coals for that for an hour (laughs) as if that does any good you know right and right i'm like well what's what is your identity in is your identity in proving everybody that that they're wrong or is your identity in like these foundational things you know and so i just i just found a lot of peace there and you know it's not for everybody i don't think that uh, Catholics or Orthodox or Protestants. I don't think anyone has it cornered. For I think, sure. I think, I think, you know, I, I joke about this with my friends, but I'm like, I think we're all going to get to heaven and, and God's going to go, you know what? You had like two thirds of it, right? Yeah. Or you had like 33% of it, right? Yeah. And good, good try. Good try. Yeah. It's so cute how you tried to figure all that out. Or maybe that's the whole, maybe that's the body, you know, metaphor. Maybe that's what, you know, it's a, yeah, mystery is, it's a very good summation of the whole deal. How, how do you think, how do you, I guess on a, I guess we can say like on a daily basis, how do you interact with God? And would you say, um, you, because I've also kind of realized that, um, you know, like Mother Teresa famously um, admitted that she never really felt God or she had that like extended dark night of the soul. So I'm always yeah. a question I always like to ask people is, you know, have you experienced that? Do you feel like you uh, have a closeness to God? How do you how do you and him communicate? How do you experience it? Yeah, so absolutely. So, you know, like, uh, okay, so I like structure. I like a set schedule. I like a lot of structure in my life. Because if I don't have any structure, it's just a free-for-all. Like, I'll get (laughs) nothing done. I'll I'll just ramble on for hours. And so I like structure. It's just how my personality is wired. And so with, with the Catholic expression of faith, there's a lot of structure there. Like, there are written prayers. Now, you, you can pray freely anytime you want, and I do that too. But I I do some of the written prayers. Um, I pray on my own. You know, I, I read the Bible. I 
I go to Mass. Um, so I feel a connection to God when I'm praying. I feel a connection to God as just a Christian because I can talk to him whenever I want. I don't have to be in a formal setting to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for me and my, my like faith journey, like mass is a huge thing because, you know, like we get communion and communion is feeding on, on Christ. And, and so that is a closeness that I have with Jesus is that we, 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 he's our spiritual food, you know? Yeah. And, and metaphorically, but also like in reality, like that is part of what we do. And so for me, that's a huge thing. Like when the lockdowns happen and you can't go, that sucks. Yeah. Like I need this. Like I I want this. I want to experience this. And it's, there's an experiential quality to the worship for me that isn't the same as like a contemporary service where emotions are high and people are amped, you know, like a, like a concert yeah. would be. Um, and I don't say that in a condescending way towards those people. I, it's just not for me. And so, uh, Oh the, man, the I mean... closeness with God is, is, is there. It just manifests itself in like a totally opposite way from what what would be that that very well and if my listeners know that you are you are preaching to the proverbial choir on that one and i I actually play in in my church's worship band which i gripe about constantly because that's my (laughs) you know i told well i told my you know uh, worship leader early on like if i see a smoke machine i am gone like you know and i tried to suggest like what if we play behind a curtain because i don't like the fact that we're like that they're looking at us and it you know i'm very uh yeah yeah <laughs> very confrontational about that but it's yeah that's one of my things too it's like okay is this is this the spirit or is it because i'm hitting a minor chord and and we are creating this emotional and or is it both? You know, I I go back and forth with that. But maybe I need to like investigate and see if see if something like that is something that, um, that I would enjoy because it. That's that's what I crave more than anything is is, genuineness and connection. And I I, I don't want to yeah. I don't want to feel forced, and I don't want to. You know jam a square peg in a round hole you know totally and i think that i and and i think that people can experience god we're all different so you know i have friends who play in worship bands and they get no you know we may joke about it and there's a lot of like funny things that you can say about it uh in, in a kidding way but you know i i don't I'm not, I'm not here to, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't exist to just make that fodder for making fun of, you know, like right. God, God uses that and he, and some people really respond to that in a genuine way. And that's awesome. Oh yeah. And I, I think that's, that's amazing. And then some people respond to like, a, like uh, candles and an organ playing like some minor dirge in the background uh, you know and it's real dark and, and mm-hmm. mysterious like some people respond to that too and i think that's 
the the cool part of our faith collectively is that you know God meets you where you're at, or at least that, that's what I believe. And so yeah, you you can have different expressions of faith of worship, per, uh, for, you know, and 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 each person can get something different out of it. Now I don't like. I don't like it when it's a spectacle, when it's a show. And I think you could have that on both sides of that. You know, sure. you could have the traditional, it's a spectacle. And it's just this road, like, well, got to say Hail Mary's today and got to say the Nicene Creed today. Yep. Uh, and you're just, uh, you're just kind of saying it without even thinking about it. And then the flip side, you can go and get your rocks off playing some worship song. And, and it means nothing outside of you getting your rocks off, you know? Yeah. So, and it's, you know, it's, and when I, in my better moments, when I take, you know, cause all of my, um, gripes are just that. And that's when I'm just being completely self-minded. Cause it's like, I can't argue with when I look out there and I see that certain type of person that responds to it in a real way. I can't take that from them. And then it's like, okay. And I, I, I go to a, a fairly small church and so this is you know i'm one of you know they need a drummer and uh it's it's a way i can be of service and so it's like really i just gotta kind of take myself out of it and just like well just because i don't like it doesn't mean that it's still not useful yeah Um, yeah you know have you talked to the dudes and you know the band luxury i know the band I have not spoken with them, though. Yeah, three, I think you should... Uh, we'll talk afterwards. I'll, I'll tell you who you should talk to. But three of those guys became Orthodox priests. Oh, wow. Separately. And so their journey... There's a documentary about them, too. I think it'll be on Prime next month. But uh, it, their journey has been really fascinating just because, you know, they came out of, like, a like a Protestant evangelical traditional like upbringing. And now, you know, they're still rocking, but three of them are Orthodox priests. And to, to hear about their faith journey was really cool too. Cause again, we're all different, you know? And, yeah. and, and the, the, the amount of grace and uh, peace that they kind of display is really cool. Um, and encouraging too. So, yeah. Cause it's like, you can, you know, you know, genuine when you see it because it doesn't have to tell you about itself. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, oh. I feel it. <laughs> like that's that's what that is. But in yeah. and speaking of rocking, I do want to make sure to give you um, a little bit of time to kind of, uh, if you want, talk about the album, and then I know y'all are, uh, which I will see you at Furnace Fest, so we'll be able to meet. So that'll yeah, be cool. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, so kind of spend some time. Um, yeah, I'm excited. That'd <laughs> be good. Um, but yeah, what? So where uh, the most recent album? Where can they find your stuff and all that good stuff? Uh, so uh, we put out uh, an EP, uh, "You're Not Broken, I Am," on Wiretap Records, a really rad independent label here in California. Um, and then across the pond, uh, a small label called Disconnect Disconnect released it over there. Uh, so we had some European uh, distribution there. Uh, it came out on vinyl. Uh, there are a few copies left, I think, at Wiretap, although it may be sold out. But if somebody wants a copy, they can hit us up on Instagram 
or Facebook uh, with Beautiful Mistake. We should have a merch store open here in the next couple weeks, like an official one. So we're actually like kind of a band that's professional. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that you know it came out about a year ago, and it, it's been a really cool. It's been a really cool experience for us and, and super humbling for us to have people that still like us from back in the day that really liked the record. And then new people, too, that had never heard of us that are like, oh, my gosh, who's this band? And people are like, oh, yeah, they used to be around back in the day. Yeah, it's uh, I was know, it. it's really good. And I was definitely holding my breath because, you know, the it's kind of the phenomenon like, you know, there's a lot of expectation. You've been gone for 14 years and like, uh, what's going to happen? But it was like really good. Really, really good. Awesome. Yeah, um, man, we were stoked. I appreciate you saying that. We, we were just really stoked on it and the way it turned out and the, the music, I think, represents us to a T. And, yes. And the lyrics, I think, were, were, were personal and, 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 and sin, you know, sincere. Uh, it came from a really sincere place, so... What what did finally why after fourteen years? Um, so we did a we did a couple reunion shows in two thousand eighteen. Uh, uh, my buddy Josh from Dogwood uh, called me and said, "Hey, we're doing two Dogwood reunion shows," and I actually played with Dogwood at those shows. Um, and he said, "Does the beautiful mistake want to play?" And I'm like, "Well, I'll make some calls." And so the calls. Uh, started a conversation between us and we hadn't really connected too much in those 14 years. And I think we were all in good places in our life and we were able to forgive and, and move forward and, and really desired to be right with each other. Um, and so we did that and we got together and there was the, the fire was still there and the, the chemistry was there. And so we played those two shows and we had so much fun that, we're like, let's do a record. So we got together later in 2018 and we hammered out like seven songs and it was like, we hadn't even taken a break. You know, it felt that good. Oh, um, and that's that natural. Awesome. So, yeah. So we, you know, Bo from Sayosin produced it and he's rad. It's just an amazing talent. And it just felt good. Like it was, it was like, a little bit validating, like, oh, we still have gas left in the tank, you know? And so we're working on new stuff now, and we're going to do another record. Oh, we're like just a, having fun, you know? It's, you it's you fun. think you're going to do, like, a full LP? No, we're going to do five songs, because uh, we've decided that it's all killer, no filler. Yes. And so nice. we're just going to, you know, it's the kids these days that have short attention spans, so... Yep. If, if we just keep putting out five song like greatest hits EPs, uh, that'll keep us relevant for at least another year or so. <laughs> That's oh, uh, uh, so do you think you're gonna play some shows beyond Furnace Fest? Assuming shows are a thing, we want to. Yeah, we want to. Awesome. Um, we uh, love playing live, and we had a blast when we did it in 2018. And Furnace Fest will be the first time we've played since 2018 as like live but uh you know we're super excited about it and, and just stoked that people care you know it, that means a lot yeah really humbling yeah I, I imagine so well josh thanks man this has been thanks for taking a, a random interview this is this has been really cool i really appreciate your time no this is rad i, I 
I, I appreciate you reaching out and, and wanting to do it. And I, I love talking about music and, uh, you know, I, again, like I speak for myself when it's the faith, the faith aspects of, of, of things, but, you know, I, I, I love the intersection of faith and art. Yeah. And I, I, I like, you know, like obviously you're going to express yourself in a certain way. And, 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 and I think, you know, being in a band that plays aggressive music is helpful for that. You know, you can kind of exercise your demons and you can talk about the hope that you have or the hope that you don't feel at that moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it really is. I've always wondered why, and maybe there is one, like why there was never a band that didn't just do straight up hymns, but like hardcore. I mean, I guess like uh, what 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 would it be? Oh, sleeper, somebody like that is basically that. No, well, like like oh, no. like traditional. Like. Yeah, like like straight up old hymns for lyrics, but then just screamed over like heavy music. Yeah, I don't know. I've never, I've never, I've never heard anything like that. I, know. I mean, well, I know that there's like ska worship and punk worship and all that nonsense, but I, I've never heard like a, a like a like a grind core. I'm gonna I'm gonna start it one day. <laughs> you could you could nail down the market with that. That'd be I awesome. think so. I think so. All right, Josh. Well, thank you so much. Cool. Yeah.